All right, Rabosai, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Let us begin. We have a beautiful bath ahead of us today. A little bit of a continuation of, of yesterday's sugya, which was, uh, which was an absolutely incredible gemara as well. Um, and some beautiful new Agarita Sugis as well, and Amir Tashem, some wonderful halacha. Begin by thanking our sponsors, our Tamar sponsors, for the month of Teves, Dovi and Nina Elman, in honor of their daughter Ayelet becoming a Bas Mitzvah. May she continue to be a source of nachas for the entire family. And our Dafyomi sponsor for today, Samuel Slamowitz, with continued gratitude and appreciation for all of the meaningful shiurim. Well, so with that, let us begin. Today's daf is daf nun 50. We got up to yesterday, Meretz HaShem, Mem Tesla Days 49b, and we left, at, we left off at the two dots. So remember again, interestingly enough, the Mishnah had another discussion. The second discussion of the Mishnah was in a situation of someone who went ahead and left Yerushalayim. Well, remember, there are two topics in the Mishnah. Topic number one was you set out for a Dvar Mitzvah, and you realize that you did not get rid of your chametz. So topic one in the Mishnah was, when and under what circumstances do you have to turn around to go back and take care of your chametz? That was issue number one. Issue number two is you left Yerushalayim with sacrificial meat. So now again, remember, if you leave, if sacrificial meat that leaves the walls of Yerushalayim has to be burned. So the Shaila was, under what circumstances do you have to go back to go ahead and destroy the sacrificial meat? And when can you just destroy it where you are? So if you remember again, the end of the Mishnah, I'm just going to quote it to you. It said, How much chametz slash sacrificial meat do you have to have that would trigger a necessary return? So the Gemara says, Rabbi Meir Omer Zev Zev Kebetza. So Rabbi Meir said Kebetza, an X volume. And Rabbi Huda said Zev Zev Kizayis. Rabbi Huda said Kizayis. Rabbi Meir Kebetza, Rabbi Huda Kizayis. So Rabbi says, it says the Gemara. So it says the Gemara like this. Lememra, did Rabbi Meir suffer Kebetza? So is it true that Rabbi Meir holds that in general a Kebetza is a chashava amount of food? Or, or we'll call it a food. So the Gemara says, Huda chashiv. Rabbi Huda suffer Kezais. And Rabbi Huda holds that even a Kezais is also a chashiv, But we see just the opposite. Or many, at kamehin mezamin. Rabbi said, totally new topic. How much food does someone have to consume in order to be part of a zimun? How much food do you have to eat in order to be part of a Muslim? Ad Kizayis. So ultimately, again, so the unnamed source over here of unnamed opinion says Kizayis. Now, both say, we assume that in general, an unnamed opinion is Rabbi Meir. So Rabbi Meir holds a Kizayis. Rabbi Huda Amar Kibetza, and Rabbi Huda holds the Kibetza. So we'll say, Mamishastira. In our Mishnah, Rabbi Meir was of the opinion of Kibetza. It's a Kibetza's amount of Chametz, a Kibetza's amount of sacrificial meat that would trigger a return. And Rabbi Yehuda held a kizayis. Yet here by Zimon, Rabbi Meir is holding a kizayis. Rabbi Yehuda is holding a kibetza. What's going on? On Rabbi Yochanan, Muchlefes a sheet. Rabbi Yochanan says, not a problem. You mixed up the sheetas. By Zimon, by Mizuman, again, Rabbi Meir holds a kibetza. And Rabbi Yehuda holds a kizayis, aligning it with our Mishnah. Abai Amr Leolam Moseifuch. No, incorrect. Don't switch the sheetas. Hasam Bikrai Pligi. Says, it's two different discussions. It's two different discussions. One discussion centers on, here by Mizuman, we're going to see the discussion centers on the interpretation of a Pasuk by Chametz and, and 
And Karbanos, it's, it focuses on Svara logic. What does that mean? Watch this, it's actually quite interesting. Hassan de Kraipligi, over here by Mizuman, it's an issue of a Pasik. Rabbi Meir Saravachalta Zuachila. Visavata Zushtia. Both say, remember again, the Pasik by benching is Viachalta Visavato Virachto. So Rabbi Meir holds Achalto is eating. Savato is drinking. In general, in halacha, when you're looking for a shear of consumption, what's the shear by consumption? What's the shear? Alkizayis. Rabbi Huda Savar, Viachalta Visavata, Achilo Shiesh Ba Svia. Rabbi Huda understands Viachalta Visavata. Visavata is a modifier of Viachalta. So Viachalta, what type of eating? Triggers an obligation for beer kasarazun and by extension zimun, the type of eating that is visavata, that satiates, which must be a shear that is larger than a kezayis. What's the shear that's larger than a kezayis? Ve'ezo, zubikabeitza. So we'll say, so therefore, again, the machlokis Rabbi Hutan Rabbi Meir, by zimun, by mizuman, by how much do you have to eat to join a mizuman, is machlokis and a pasik. Rabbi Meir saying, ve'achalta, achila, savata, shtia, an unmodified or unqualified achila, zikizayis, Rabbi Hutan, no, 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 ve'achalta, visavata is one phrase. Visavata is a modifier for ve'achalta, and therefore, or I should say, helps us understand ve'achalta, what type of achila triggers a birkas amazon slash zimun obligation, the type of achila that satiates, what type of achila satiates, ultimately again, a kebeitza. But what about over here? What about by our Mishnah, Bosei? So the Gemara says, Hacha b'svara pligi. Here in the Mishnah, here in our Mishnah, they're arguing on svara. Rabbi Meir says, your obligation to go back is like the shear of Tumah. It's like the shear of Tumah. Matum also b'kebeitza. Af chazarasa bekebeitza, just like the shear of tuma by ochlin, ultimately again is a kebeitza. Ultimately again, the shear of return or the shear for which you have to return is also bekebeitza. Look at Rashi chazarasa umidrabanon he vashir tum also asmuchuhu v'tumas ochlin bekebeitza. Okay, Rabbi Huda savar chazarasa ki isura tap of nun. Rabbi Huda holds no. The obligation to return is fundamentally linked to the shear of iser ma isura bekezayis. But say ultimately again, just like the shear isra of chametz, ultimately again is bekezayis and also sacrificial meat. Although we're going to see chametz is really aser bemashehu. But okay, av chazarasa bekezayis. We'll say so. That's the machlokis. Tanya Rabbi Nassim Omer zeh v'zeh b'shteik beitzim v'zeh v'zeh kishtei beitzim. Rabbi Nassim says that actually, again, both the amount of chametz for which you are obligated to return, as well as the amount of sacrificial meat you are obligated to return, is the shir of two beitzim, but ultimately, again, the chachamim did not agree with that shida. So, so that closes off this discussion over here. So, Machlokis, Rabbi Meir, and Rabbi Huda, we see now in two contexts, really in three contexts. Number one, how much do you have to return for chametz, or how much chametz would you have to return for? How much sacrificial meat do you have to return for? And ultimately, again, how much must you consume in order to go ahead and be part of a Muzuman? The Gemara's Havamina was all three of these Machloksim are linked. Kamash Walan, they are not. Right? Ultimately, again, by Pesach and by Karbanos, it's really a Machlokis and Svara of logical arguments. By Zimun, ultimately, it is a discussion regarding interpretation of the Pasuk of Viachalta Visavata. Incredible.
incredible. So we'll say, so the Gemara says as follows. So we'll say, this is actually quite beautiful. The next couple of lines, the Gemara is going to be interpreting Pesukim from Zechariah. Now, the it will be in those days is a reference to the Messianic era. So Zechariah is describing the Messianic era. This is actually quite beautiful. It'll be in those days. So we'll, say, so we'll translate these words to the best of our ability. Then we're going to rely on the Gemara to go and really translate it for us. It'll be in those days. Ultimately, again, the light will not be Yakros. Now, Yakros, if you look at Rashi, Yakros, Sekifaon, Aidi de Ayri Biyushalayim, Biyetzias, Shara, Diktani, Chem Yishyatsam Yishalayim, Pasach, Baha Parashasa, Deba Ina Lameymar, Kaman Sha'asar, Kadosh Baruch Hu, Hosev Aisham. So we're going to see, just Rashi's pointing out over here, what's the link between this Agarata and ultimately the previous Gemara? So we'll say, interestingly enough, usually the way Gemara works is, an Agadic Sugya, usually the way you, you kind of flow into Agadata, is not because the topics are linked, but usually because whoever was the particular Tana or Amora speaking in the Halachic Sugya also continues to espouse some Agadic pieces. In this, play, in this context, interestingly enough, the common denominator between the Gemara and the Agadata is Yerushalayim. Is Yerushalayim. So says, so ultimately, the Gemara was talking about before, if you left Yerushalayim, so the Gemara is going to discuss about the expansion of Yerushalayim in the Messianic era. So here the Pasuk says, it'll be on that day, Lo ar yakros v'kifaon. My yakros v'kifaon. What, what, what do these words mean? On Rebbe Lazar, ze'ar sheyakar ba'olam hazeh, v'kafayli olam haba. It refers to light, which is very precious in this world, but will not be as precious in the world to come. What does this mean? Look at Rashi. Or shiyaka ba'olamaza, kishe chamamira bigvurasa, vaora gadol, osa or chashev yaka shala yekafoi, vikala olamaba. But say, you know, when the sun is at high noon in this world, the sun is brightest. So that light that looks brightest now in this world will pale in comparison to the light that will be part of the world in Yemosa Mashiach. Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan says, no, it refers to something else. El, this is incredible. This refers to the sugyas of Negoim and Olos. We'll say Negoim is Saras. Olos is the halachos of Tumah. The sugyas of Saras and Tumah, which are yakar, which are very difficult in this world. They will become easier in the world to come. So we'll say the idea being that in the Messianic era, even the most complex sugyas of halacha, of Torah, will be much easier to comprehend. Something incredible to look forward to. We'll say, can you imagine when Mashiach comes, we're going to get to a sugya of Tumah and Tara in, in Dafyomi, and we're going to be like, yes! Right? Incredible, incredible. As opposed to what happens now, no one likes to say it. But that's the first thing you do when you get to a Tumah Tara sugya. How many pages, right? How many pages, right? Let, let me look ahead. So can you imagine this? When Mashiach comes, when Mashiach comes, there's going to be such a great light. That light, I will say, is going to, to elucidate and to illuminate our eyes that even the most complex sugyas become easier. Listen to this, Shabbat Shai. Rabbi Shimon Levi says, no, it refers to, actually refers to people. People who are important in this world, 
will ultimately be less important in the world to come. So this is actually pretty incredible. So again, everyone's interpreting the Pasuk in the same way, that what Zechariah is saying is, there's going to be some dramatic distinction between this world and the next world. So he calls the light that is greatest in this world will be, will be considered dim, in other words, will pale in comparison to the greatness of the light in the Messianic era. So three interpretations. Rabbi Elazar literally says, it refers actually to light, first to light. The sun at high noon, which is the greatest amount of illumination in this world, will pale in comparison to the light of Yibos HaMashiach. Rabbi Yochanan, it's a reference to Torah. Even the most complex sugyas, those things that require the brightest minds in this world, will be understandable by everyone in the Messianic era. And in Yeshua Ben Levi, it refers to people. It refers to people that even individuals who seem very chashev in this world, we will see in the Messianic era. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, B'nai Adam Karim, Ashirim v'chashuvim ve'enon tovim l'makom. See, they will say what the Yomars or Yishobah Levi is referring to over here, we're going to focus on this a little bit, is often in Olam Haza, in this world, in this world, so importance usually is given to wealth. At the end of the day, important people are, are people of, of means. And the truth is, even if those individuals are a very poor moral character, or very poor, or, or lacking in spiritual character at, at all, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, money earns respect in this world. Irrespective of your character, money earns respect. The Gemara says, that is not the case in Olam Haba. Now, again, we'll discuss that. I remember, I mentioned this before, but in general, Olam Haba often refers to two different things. Here, the Gemara is going to be using it as referring to the Messianic era, but as we're going to see in just a moment, the Gemara can also be used to refer to the actual afterlife, where you go after you die, after 120. Well, so listen to this Gemara. It's an incredible story. Kihadra Levi, Chalash. Rav Yosef, the son of Rabbi Yosheb and Levi, became ill, and he died. He died. So I'll say, so now understand this story. Right? So Rav Yosef dies. Kihadar, what does Kihadar mean? Kihadar means he came back to life. He came, so whatever the circumstances are, right, whenever he somehow he died, he, he managed like he flatlined, and then he came back to life, found maybe they revived him, maybe whatever it is, he came back to life. So his father says to him, knew my son, what did you see when you died? I was listening to this beautiful Gemara. Amalei, Olam Hafuch Raisi. I saw an upside down world. Al Yonim Lamata, Vitachtonim Lamala. Those, I will say, we'll just use this, we'll just use this, we'll just understand this according to Rashi. So, Al Yonim Lamata means ultimately, again, those who are given, who are considered to be so important in this world. <laughs> were relegated to a level of lesser importance in the world to come. And those who are often marginalized or peripheralized or considered to be unimportant in this world were given a higher standing and station in the world to come. To which ultimately, again, Rabbi Yosheb and Levi says to his son of Yosef, No, my son, you didn't see an upside-down world. You see all the world in the way it's supposed to be. You see, in this world, covet is given for all the wrong reasons. Not, not all the wrong reasons, but covet is also often given for reasons that don't really matter all that much. So therefore, again, kind of the hierarchy of who's important, who's not important is often skewed 
but in Olam Haba, where the amount of money you have is really irrelevant, and the amount of possessions you've amassed is really irrelevant, things that give you covet in this world, true covet is given to those who truly deserve it. So this is my son, you didn't see, so from, from, from the son's perspective, he saw a skewed world, it didn't make sense to him, but his father said to him, no, it's this world is skewed, Olam Haba is as it should be. Va'anan hechi, hechi asam. So this is incredible. Shabbat 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 says to son, Rabbi Yosef, so tell me, and where were we? Where were we, right? What's, what's our position in Olam Haba? To which the son responds, Ki hechi di'isi anan hachi, hacha, hachi isanin hasam. The same way we are there, is this, or the same way we are here, is the same way we are there. Meaning at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Rav Yosef said, Rav Yosef said that, Father, the same status or the same covet that we are given in this world as Talmidei Chachamim is the same status we are accorded ultimately in Olam Haba as well. In Karabah but the story goes on. And Rav Yosef goes on, he says, V'shamati omrim, ashrei mi v'talmudo biyado. And I heard them, I heard them announcing in Olam Haba, praiseworthy is he who comes to this place, Vitalmudo biyado, and his learning is in his hand. Vishamat will explain that in just a moment. Vishamat Yishayomra also heard that they say, Harugay malchus ein adam yachol la'amobah mechitzasan. That those who are killed, al-Kiddush Hashem, right, those literally, again, who are killed by the monarchy, they have a special place in Olam Haba that no one else could access. Umanin, who? Who are the people who are killed, who, who are killed al-Kiddush Hashem, who have a special place in Olam Haba. The Gemara says, Ilim Rabbi Akiva If you want to say it's Rabbi Akiva and his Chevra. Who's Rabbi Akiva and his Chevra? The Asara Haruge Malchus. If that's one of the say, you say he's referring to, Mishum Haruge Malchus, Asulo. See, Rabbi remember Rabbi Akiva and his Chevra, they should get Olam Haba not simply because they were martyred. But why? But why? Because Rabbi Akiva, they were great Talmud Yicham, they were great Torah leaders. Their martyrdom was, was an event that occurred at the end of their lives. But at the end of the day, their stage in Olam Haba should be because they were Talmud Yichachamim, because they were married B'Torah B'Rabim. They were Osi B'Talmud Torah, they were leaders. To which the Gemara says, you're right, Ella, Harugei Lud. Rather, you're right, say what Rabbi Yeshua said, what he referred to was those who gave their lives, speaking to the, about the people of Lud, who gave their lives in Dalal Kiddush Hashem. Rabbi Rashi points out over here, Harugei Lud, Shnei Achim Hayu Shemasu Atzman Al Yisrael, Shehodu Al Atzman Harigaz Basmelech Shayumatilin Osalan Al Kol Yisrael. Rabbi the Gemara Mesechus Brachas refers to a story where the daughter of the Caesar was murdered and the Caesar was holding the Jewish people responsible. And he said that unless, of course, again, unless the, the murderers turn themselves in, he would unleash his fury on the entire Jewish people. Two brothers from the city of Lud took responsibility for the murder, even though, of course, they did not commit it. So the Gemara says they were executed, but ultimately, again, they saved Klaud Yisrael. So Yeshua says, I heard that people like that would die al-Kiddush Hashem, ultimately there is a place in Olam Haba that is reserved for them that is above and beyond anything else. So, both say, so let me spend a moment just focusing on this incredible Gemara where the Gemara, Rabbi Yosef says, I heard that they said, Ashrei mi sheba lekan v'talmudo biado. Right? Praiseworthy is the person who comes to this place. V'talmudo and his Torah 
His Torah is in his hand. So I say, so what, what, what exactly does this mean that his Torah is in his hand? What, what is, what does that mean? You just say, Ashrei Misha Balakan, Velama Torah Harbe, right? Praise the Lord, the person comes to Alam Haba and learn the Torah. What do you mean, Tamudo Biado? His Torah is in his hand. So I'll actually send it out on the WhatsApp chat after Shir. But the Ben Yehoyad, we're not going to go through all of it today, actually has a, a number of beautiful interpretations. Beautiful interpretations, but I will say, but amongst them, the ones I'll just share with you is something incredibly amazing. He says over here, he says over here, Tamudo Biyado means that a person learned, but they actualized what they learned. In other words, they're both saying, it's easy to learn. Learning is enjoyable. Learning is enjoyable. The difficult part of Talmud Torah is taking what you learn and incorporating it into your life. And actually living by it. Vitamudo biado. It's interesting. What do you mean biado? I understand bimocho in my mind, Billy Bo in my heart. Your yad, your yad represents asia. Your yad represents action, represents dynamic life activity. Who is welcomed into Olam Haba? Not just someone who simply learns. Learning is fine, but learning is not an ends. Learning is a means. I learn Torah because I want to lead a more meaningful life. Because I want my Torah to be manifest in the way that I live, in the way that I interact with others, in my business, in my home, in my marriage, in my family. <laughs> Praiseworthy is the person who comes to Alam Haba, not just having learned Torah, but having learned Torah and therefore having lived Torah. An incredible, incredible piece by the, 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 the Ben Yod expounds on it much more about the Taig Mitzos, the Ten Fingers representing Aserah Sadibros. So I'll, I'll send it out a little bit later, Amir Sashem. It's interesting, some of the Hassam Sofer also brings down, he says that Tamudo Abayado means retention. Retention. That praiseworthy is that which is not really like a group shot to give in a dafio mishir. But, uh, but, 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 you know, he, he, he says, he says that it's so important. It's so important. I will say, now, again, I, I, I would, I, I think, I, I think they're really saying the same thing. Cause is that true? Is that true? Does the Rebbe Shalom really judge us based on retention? That doesn't, let's say a person, forget about that, we're moving at a fast pace. Not everybody has the same intellectual capacity, right? Retention is a specific, is a specific trait, and not, not everybody has that. And it can be that, but again, I both say, it could be that the Chassam Sofer is saying the same thing as the Ben Yehoyada. What does it mean to retain something? See, I both say, sometimes like, you hear something, goes in one ear, goes right out the other ear. The goal of Torah is that you retain it. What does retain it mean? Love Dafka that you could go ahead and recite the Shakla Vataria. But retention means I take what I learn in Shir and I retain it as I go through life. Can't be that Akadish Baruch Hu says, No, tell me, well, what did it say on Psachim Daf Memtes? Tell me the Shakla, the Tailach, and Olam Haba. No, Riyado retention means I took what I learned. And I retained it in the journey of life. I didn't allow my learning to be something theoretical, something abstract, something that's great for one hour of my day, but has no impact on the rest of my life. Ashre Misha Balakan Vitamudo Biyadok. Welcome to Olam Haba. And all I want to see is that you didn't just learn. But you lived what you learned as well. Incredible. So the boss said the Gemara goes weiter. Yeah, um, so, we'll say, so continuing now that we started speaking about Mashiach, 
So Zechariah continues, So the Gemara says, or it says a Metzilos. It'll be on that day that the Metzilos Hasus, the Metzilos of the horse, will be Kodesh Lashem. My Metzilos, what, what, what does that mean, Metzilos Hasus? Ultimately, again, Cheshbarach will expand the boundaries of Yerushalayim to the point that literally, again, a horse will run and cast a shadow. Now, what that means is as follows. A whore, general, a shadow throughout the day is either to your right or to your left, like Rashi explains. Except at midday. On midday, your shadow is, if you're a horse, if you're a horse, it's right underneath you. Right? In other words, the horse casts a shadow. So the idea of the Gemara Singh over here is that when Mashiach comes, Kodesh Baruch is going to expand Yerushalayim so much that the horse will gallop from morning until noon and it will still be in Yerushalayim. Which means the territorial area of Yerushalayim will just expand. Rabbi Elazar Omer, Rabbi says what it means is that in the Messianic era, all of the ornaments that people normally hang on their horse, ultimately people will consecrate to Hashem. Rabbi Yochanan Omer, Kolbiza, Shebozes in Yisrael, Atshosh, Asus, Ratzu, Matzil, Yekodesh, Lashem. Rabbi Yochanan says again, all of the treasure that Klal Yisrael goes ahead and, and uh, acquires in one day from their, from the Gentiles surrounding them, from the time that it takes the horse to gather from the morning to the afternoon, will be given to Hashem. So according to the opinion, it says it refers to treasure. That's why the Pasuk says all of the pots that are used in the Beis HaMikdash will ultimately again be like the utensils before the Mizbeach. Remember, the pots in which you consume Karbanos need not be out of any precious metal. But there'll be so much treasure in the Messianic era that even the pots, ultimately, again, will be like the utensils used before the Mizbeach, made, made of gold and silver. But according to the first two opinions who interpreted the Pasuk, what is the meaning of this Pasuk? Rather, again, according to those first two opinions, this second part of the Pasuk is going to express a new theme. That in the Messianic era, Klal Yisrael is going to be rich. Baruch Hashem is going to be a wave of wealth. A wave of wealth. Ultimately, again, in the Jewish community, in the Jewish people, and they are going to be generous. Ultimately, I with their wealth in the basement. I'll just tell you something interesting. You know, we, we, we live in incredible, incredible times. Incredible times. And one of the things that, that I've always found so amazing is we, we are living in times of unprecedented Jewish affluence, which, which is really an incredibly amazing thing. Of course, there is still poverty and there is still incredible needs. I would say, but, but when you look, when you look at the affluence and influence of the Jewish people today, it, it, it's something very Mishunadik. It's something really incredible. And the, and the, and the tzedakah that's being done and the incredible things, it's really, when you see these Gemaras that speak about the signs of the Messianic era and you begin to see some of these same things present in today's age, it's very exciting. So the Gemara goes weiter. I understand, according to the opinion who says that the treasure is going to be donated to the Beis HaMikdash, this is why the Pasuk says there won't be a Kenani anymore in the house of HaKadosh Baruch And I will say, what does Kenani mean? So Rashi points out over here something very interesting. In the previous times, the, the Beis HaMikdash 
had, you know, for lack of a better term, the Gizbar, who was like the temple treasurer, was also in charge of the Beis Hamikdash, um, I guess we'll call him like the Beis Hamikdash wealth manager, portfolio manager. That what was the job of the Gizbar? To grow the funds of the Beis Hamikdash. So Kenani literally means a merchant. In the Messianic era, there's going to be such an overwhelming tidal wave of donations that you're not going to need a portfolio manager anymore. You don't need to invest the Beis HaMikdash money because there's going to be so much money coming in. According to the first two opinions, what's the meaning of this phrase? There's not going to be a Kinani. What does that mean? It's incredible. So Kinani means Ein Kan Ani. There will be no poor people in the Messianic era. Isn't that, can you think about that just a moment? Imagine no poverty. Imagine no poverty. Imagine, imagine what that means. That Baruch Hashem, everybody has what they need. And no, excuse me, and no one is stricken by poverty. I want to point out just something very interesting. Remember, this goes both ways. Because when you see, there's a, there's a strong common theme of, like the Gemara said, that the suyas of Olos and Nagarim are going to become easy. There's no poverty. So I say, understand, it's a, it's a little bit, of, it cuts both ways. What do I mean? On one hand, it's beautiful. On the other hand, it also paints a picture of a Messianic era that doesn't really have schar va'onesh. That there really is no reward. Because I also think about this, the Gemara says, the, the power of having Aniyim is that it gives those who have an opportunity to give, which means if there are no aniyim, there are no opportunities for tzedakah. The fact that there are hard sugyas in Gemara gives us an opportunity for our melos to push ourselves. If there are no more hard sugyas, then what? Then what? Then ultimately, again, there's no schar for pushing myself. So I just want to point out that as exciting as all of this is, there, there is a certain loss. In other words, I will say when Mashiach comes, you're locked in. Whatever you've amassed in the pre-Messianic era, that, that's the schuyos you have. But once Mashiach comes, it appears many of the opportunities that we have day in and day out for tzedakah, for chesed, for amelus batora, those opportunities are lost, which tells us something very important. Mashiach, Emer Hashem, is going to come any day now. And how important it is for us to grab our opportunities every day. You have an opportunity for tzedakah, Grab it because the Mashiach comes, according to Gemara, at least over here. Those opportunities might not be here. You have an opportunity to push yourself in your Torah, to push yourself in your spiritual growth. Grab it because once Mashiach comes, those opportunities are not going to be here. And if Eliyahu Navi comes today, which is an absolute possibility, Eliyahu comes today, and Mashiach comes tomorrow, it turns out that today was my last opportunity to give tzedakah, and today was my last opportunity to push myself in the realm of spiritual growth. So how careful we have to be to take advantage of these opportunities each and every day. Because once Mashiach comes, at least some of these opportunities will no longer be available to us. So incredible. So the Gemara goes right there. How do you know the Kenani? Right? Now, the Gemara is also interpreting the word Kenani to mean merchant. How do you know that Kenani means merchant? So the Gemara says, This is incredible. So the Pasik says, Yehuda saw a woman, the daughter of a Kenani, 
was the name of Shua. So the Gemara says, my Kenani, what does this mean that you, and Yehuda married her, right? Yehuda married her, he had three sons with her. So we'll say, so what does this mean ultimately again, that he married a daughter of a Kenani? My Kenani, even my Kenani, Mamish, if you want to say it's really a Kenani, this is incredible, by the way. I have to tell you, I don't think any of us give any thought to this when we read the Pasuk. We assume that Yehuda married a Canaanite woman. Because who else was there to marry? So the Gemara says, how could that be? If Avram told Yitzchak, you can't marry a Canaanite woman. Yitzchak told Yaakov, don't marry a Canaanite. Now Yaakov's kids are going to marry Canaanite women. Kenani doesn't mean a Kenanite. Kenani means a merchant. A merchant. We'll say pretty incredible. So the Gemara says, so again, according to this interpretation, when it says in Kenani, that when Mashiach comes, there's not going to be a Kenani in base. Hashem is one of two things. Either there's going to be such a voluminous amount of donations that there's not going to have to be a portfolio manager, Kenani, a merchant, who engages in commerce on behalf of the Beis HaMikdash, or other possibility is, Kenani, it means what? Or it's a contraction for? Ein Kan Ani. No more paupers. No more paupers when Mashiach comes. Incredible. So according now, According now, from again, the Pasuk in Zechariah, we'll say, you know what's incredible? In one daf, in 20 minutes, 23 minutes, 33 minutes, sorry, of daf Yomi, most of us have learned more of Zechariah than we've learned in our entire lives. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. So the Gemara says, and these might be the only three psukim of Zechariah we ever learned in our entire lives. The Gemara goes like there, so I'll say, so the Pasuk says, and Hashem will be the Melech, the king, over the entire land. On that day, Hashem will be one, and His name will be one. What does it mean on that day? Now, obviously, that's also, there's also a reference to the arrival of Mashiach. When Mashiach comes, Hashem will be one. Really, what about now? Now Hashem isn't one. So we'll say this is beautiful. This world is not like the world to come. And I both say, so once again, I just want to point out the ambiguity that Chazal utilize with this lotion of Olam Haba. Is Olam Haba the messianic era? Is Olam Haba represent where we go ultimately after you die after 120? And the answer is... Yes, right? The answer is yes. We'll say, so again, it's, it's both. You see now from the context over here, Zechariah is talking about the Messianic era. Zechariah is talking about the Messianic era. So you see, therefore, contextually, when the Gemara is over here, Olam Haba, Olam Haba is a reference to the Messianic era. Now, the truth is, it can also refer, the topics here could also relate to what we'll call Olam Haba, where you go after you die. But you'll see, the Gemara says, listen to this. This is incredible Gemara. Rabbi Acha. Bachanina says, this world is not like the world to come. Olam Barach in this world, in this world, a person says, on good things, a person says, Hatova Hametiv. Hatova Hametiv, right? They both say, again, in this world, when you see something good, you say Hatova Hametiv. Omer Barach Dayon 
And I will say for bad things, or what a person perceives as bad things, they say, Hashem, you are the true judge. I accept it, I accept it, but I'm not happy with it. The olam haba, kulo hatova metiv. Both say in the messianic era, everything that happens, both the things that appear good and the things that don't appear good, will make the bracha vatova metiv. I both say this is all part of the same motif, that in the messianic era, there is a sense of understanding and intellectual and spiritual illumination and enlightenment that I see the world for what it is. In this world, I see that there are good things and there are bad things. Good things happen, bad things happen, also the ability to accept the judgment of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, even if it hurts, is an incredible level. But that's because I perceive that there's good and bad. In the Messianic era, when I'll understand HaKadosh Baruch Hu and how he runs his world much better, even those things that'll hurt, that'll hurt, I'll still see HaTov HaMetiv. Because ultimately, again, I'll still see the good in it. Which also tells you something amazing. That what's going to happen in the Messianic era? Stuff that hurts. Right? It's incredible. It's, it's like this incredible balance that on one hand you see this incredible the, the wealth and and all this other stuff, but yet again, the world will still go on. People will still die. It appears that maybe they'll even still be tragic events. But Lamaisa, I'll, I'll, I'll understand them through a lens of divine kindness. In this world, I see divine kindness, but I also see divine harshness or what I perceive as that. In the Olam Haba, everything will be perceived through the lens of Hatov HaMetiv. So i just tell you also, this, this is, you know, in general, the chilik between, why does it say Hatov HaMetiv and not Shechianu? So remember, again, on a very simple level, Shechianu is a bracha that's recited when something good happens for you. Hatov HaMetiv is a bracha that is recited when it's good for you and good for others. In fact, uh, Rav Herschel Shachter, Shlita, Paskin, that... Uh, when one receives the, uh, the COVID vaccine, that halacha one should make the bracha of hatova hametiv. Again, other poskim are a bit more reticent to say that a person should make a bracha, but why, why hatova hametiv? Again, it will say it makes a lot of sense. A person receives the vaccine. It's not just good for you, the person who is receiving it, but it's good for others as well. It's an interesting halacha application of this. Okay. Ushmo echad, my echad. So, so what does it mean? His name will be one. So the Gemara says, Ata ibn alav shmo echadu. And what now? And now his name is not one? In other words, we'll say, why, why, why only one now? In other words, I'm sorry. Why would his name be one of the Messianic era? Isn't his name one? In the future as well. I'm sorry. Why does it say that his name will be one of the Messianic era? His name is one now as well. Again, This world is not like the world to come. This is actually beautiful. The Gemara says in this world, the name of Hashem is written yud Hey and then vav Hey. But we don't pronounce it that way. We pronounce it instead the Shem Adnus, Ado Noi. In Olam Haba, right, the Messianic era, we will pronounce the name of Hashem as it is written. That's what it means, Yashem Echad Ushmo Echad. The way the name is written is the way the name will be pronounced. Savarav on the Midrash Ebepirka, Amalayu Saba, the Olam Ksiv. See, we'll say, interestingly enough, Rava wanted to explain the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in his shir. And he wanted to go ahead and he wanted to go ahead and articulate the name as Yud Hey and then Vav and Hey. So we'll say, so listen to this, we'll say, this is incredible, by the way. This is from Parsha Shmos. Past week's Parsha. Hashem is speaking to Moshe Rabbeinu. 
And he says to Moshe, go and tell the Jewish people, okay, Avram, okay, Yitzhak, okay, Yaakov, Shlachani Aleichem, Zeshemi Liolam, Veze Zichri Ledar Dar. Now, boss, now, interestingly enough, so Zeshemi Liolam. Their dash, however, Olam is written Chaser, without the Vav, which can also be vocalized as Le'ileim, or La'aleim. My name should be hidden. In other words, we don't pronounce the real name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, yud Hey and vav Hey, but rather, again, we simply pronounce it as Aleph, Dalid, Nun, Yud. So the Ravina Rami Ksiv, Zeh Shemi La'olam, Zeh Zechri Dar Dar. So we'll say, so, Rav, so, Rav, so Ravina said, the passage says, Zeh Shemi La'olam, and then it says, this is my remembrance, Ladar Dar, Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Lo kishani nichtav ani nikra. It is, we do not, literally again, it is not as I am written that I am spoken or that I am read. Nichtav ani biyute, the nikra ani bi alif dalit. I am read. Ultimately, again, biyute, in other words, when you look at the words, it's yud hey, vav hey, but I am pronounced ultimately again, alif dalit nun yud. So we'll say, so. Quite amazing. We say this pasuk every single day. What is Yashem Echad? We'll say now in this world we'll perceive there are good things, there are bad things. For the good things, for bad things, Dayan Ha'emes. Olam Haba, Messianic Era, Hashem Echad. There's only Atova Meitiv. And I will say again, doesn't mean that everything is going to be great and there are no challenges, but it means the lens through which we will perceive life events is a lens ultimately, again, where we see the goodness of the Ribbono Shal Olam each and every day and each and everything. It's only, it's only a Tov HaMetiv. Ushimo Echad, the Rebbe say, again, in the world to come, there'll be a sense of clarity. And as I will say, why is it that we don't pronounce Yud Hey and then Vav Hey in this world? Why don't we, why don't we pronounce it? Because we don't really have a full grasp on the Ribbono Shal Olam. So you can't say his name if you don't really understand him. In the Messianic era, there will be an understanding of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, an, an, an appreciation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who will be Zohar Hashem to say His name as it is written. Hadrun Allah, Eilu Ovin. I will say, Mazel Tov, Yashar Kayach, New Parak. I will say, exciting new sugya, and the Agarat is not done. Malcolm Shinagul, I will say, this is a great, this is a great sugya, great, great, great sugya, about Minhagim, all about Minhagim. Malcolm Shinagul, Lassos, Malacha, Ba'arib, Sachim, Ad Chatzos, Osin, if you live in a place where the minag is not to do malacha on Erev Pesach after midday, you shouldn't do malacha. But if you live in a place where the minag is to do malacha after chatzos, you can do malacha. Well, said the Mishnah teaching me that you should follow minag hamakum. You should follow minag hamakum. You know, say this is one of the things that uh, you know, Ramosha, Moshe finds the Yitzchak Levracha writes that um, he's, he was very doubtful that there would ever be such a thing as Minag America. You know, because you see, you see there's Minag Lita, Minag Poland, Minag Hungaria, they're different Minhagim. But Moshe was very skeptical that there'll ever be something called Minag America. He says, because America is such a, for the Jewish community, such a melting pot of so many diverse communities that he felt it would be improbable. This is already a number of decades ago that there would ever be an established Minag America, which, which is sad, which is sad because there's something beautiful that when a community is able to establish a Minag of the community. Again, but we're so diverse and there is no unifying 
halachic opinion. There's right. There, there's no Rav Moshe anymore. Right. There's no Rishon Zalman anymore. It's it's just a different world we live in. There's no unifying halachic opinion anymore that brings everyone together. But here it's it's quite beautiful if you think about it. So the Mishnah says minagamakum. So you live in a place where they do malacha after chatzos. You can do malacha after chatzos. You live in a place where they don't do malacha after chatzos. You don't do malacha after chatzos in Arab Pesach. Haholich mimakum shaosin lemakum sheno. So we'll listen to this. This is where the circuits become very interesting. If you go from a place where they do malacha after chatzos and Erev Pesach, and you go to a place where they don't do malacha after chatzos and Erev Pesach, oh, mimakom shein osin lamakom shaosin, nosin alav chumrei makom shiyatsa misham, v'chumrei makom shalach lasham. So to listen to this. If you have your own minhagim, and you go to a place ultimately again that has different minhagim, so essentially what ends up happening, you get the chumras of both places. Because also we're going to see the incredible importance of blending in where you go. Blending in where you go. We'll say very, very important. So now how this actually manifests itself, we'll see in the Gemara. But again, if you go to a new place, you essentially take the chumras of your point of origin and the chumras ultimately again of, of, your, of where you go. But, say, but this happens to be a very important sugya of taking your minhagim with you wherever you go. Which is why, for example, the Rose said this contemporarily, this is a very big discussion about those who go to Eretz Yisrael, those who live in Chutz Laretz, but go to Eretz Yisrael, ultimately for Yom Tiv. Do you have to keep Yom Tiv Shini or not? So it's a major, major machlokes aposkim. But again, we'll actually explore that sugya a little bit. But, but embedded in that sugya is the notion that Yom Tiv Shini is minagav oseinu biyadenu. It's a, it's a minag slash halacha for Bnei Chutz Laretz. And it appears that wherever you go, you take your minhagim with you. Again, it's much more complicated than that, but we'll see. But I just want to point out what's exciting about this is that discussion is this Mishnah. That discussion is this Mishnah. Amid Beis. Amid Beis. And you should not go ahead and deviate from the Minagam from the Minagamakum. You should not cause machlokis. Excuse me. So we'll see exactly what that means in the Gemara. But the Gemara thing will say in general, person should blend in. Person should blend in wherever they are and shouldn't do things that are a stark departure from the Minagamakam. Kiyo Tsebo, similarly again, Hamoti Peroshviyas. Sorry. Hamoti Peroshviyas, Mimakam Shakalu, Makam Shalokalu. If a person goes in and takes Shemitah produce, from a place where they are no longer available, or from, I should say, from a place where they are no longer available to a place where they are available. And I will say, the aloch is quick, quick crash course on Shemitah. It's actually very important as well because next year, next year is a Shemitah year. Emir I believe, I think I'm pretty sure next year is a Shemitah year. Emir So I will say, so interestingly enough, the aloch is as follows. The aloch is, you could store produce in your home on a Shemitah year as long as that produce is readily available for the animals in the field. But if the produce is not available for the animals in the field, then halacha lamaisa, you are not permitted to store it. So let's say now, literally again, you go from a place, you go from a place ultimately again where the food is no longer available to the animals to a place where the food is, is, is available to the animals. In other words, once again, you go from a place that has status, one status to a place that has a different status, you must abide by the Minagamakam. Rabbi Yehuda says, 
that you could say to the person in a new place, you could also go out into the field and acquire the produce. Again, the Gemara is going to explain what exactly that statement means, because at first glance, it doesn't seem to make all that much sense. Fine, so let's go, let's analyze what we'll say. Says the Gemara, my area are psachim. Why does the Mishnah talk about doing malacha on Erev Pesach? So you will say, interestingly enough, so the Mishnah said, if you live in a place where the custom is not to do malacha after Chatzos and Erev Pesach, you shouldn't do it after Chatzos, right? And if you live in a place where they do malacha after Chatzos and Erev Pesach, you could do malacha. Why does the Mishnah only speak about Erev Pesach? This is a discussion on every Erev Yom Tov, every Erev Shabbos. It's a very profound Gemara. If a person does Malacha on Erev Shabbos or Erev Yom Tiv, from Mincha and Rabbi, this is not Mincha Gidola, this is Mincha Kitana, right? Nine and a half hours into the day. If you do work, any work you do on Erev Shabbos or Erev Yom Tiv, after Mincha Kitana, you are not going to see Bracha from it. Bracha from it, which by the way, is a profound insight into how you structure your Erev Shabbos and your Erev Yom Tiv. We often think that the goal, what, what, what the goal of Erev Shabbos, Erev Yom Tiv, is cram in as much as you can before Shabbos and Yom Tiv comes. And I come into Shabbos and I come into Yom Tiv and I'm huffing and I'm puffing because I'm making it by the, the skin of my teeth. And ah, but I got everything in. No, you didn't, says the Gemara. Could just understand, once Mincha Kitana comes along, anything that you're doing, you're not going to see bracha from it. Now again, you could take this, you could show this, if you work for someone, you could show this to your employer, you could say, listen, I need to leave by after Mincha Kitana because Lamaisa, anything I do is not going to be profitable for the company in here. And also on a serious note, in today's day and age, hopefully most of us control our time. And we spoke about this many times, entering into Shabbos, right before candle lighting, or entering into Shabbos in the 18 minutes, we'll say that's not how a Jew conducts his Erev Shabbos. That's just sometimes extenuating circumstances happen. It's true, but Lamaisa, we have to plan our days correctly. And again, if it means you get into the office an hour earlier, or it means you work later on Thursday night, whatever you have to do, but comes Mincha Kitana on Erev Shabbos, time to shut down. And if you don't, I'm deluding myself because I'm not going to see bracha anyway from that avoda. So the Gemara says, so again, I will say, the Gemara is pointing out over here, why are you making this a discussion ultimately again about Erev Pesach? This is a discussion every Erev Shabbos, every Erev Yom Tid, to which the Gemara says, you're right, but we'll say there's a big difference. Remember again, Erev Shabbos, Erev Yom Tid, there's a din on shutting down, stopping malacha from Mincha Kitana, from Mincha Kitana. Erev Pesach, I say, is even stricter, because Erev Pesach, what is it from? It's from Chatzos, midday. So I say, that's very much more significant. Inami, hasam simen bracha hu delochaz. I say, the other possibility is, by Erev Shabbos, Erev Yom Tiv, if you work past Mincha Kitana, you're not going to say bracha. Ava shamuti lo mishamtinari, but we don't excommunicate you over that. Hacha by Erev Pesach, shamuti nami mishamtinari. So I say, this is actually quite profound. We're going to see where exactly this comes from. That if there's a minog in your, in your makam, not to work past chatzos on Erev Pesach, and you work past chatzos, they would excommunicate you as a result of that. So we'll see why, why such severity. And we'll say, now the truth is we know the severity. What's the severity about? The severity is we're concerned that if you work on Erev Pesach, 
you are going to forget to burn your chametz. In the times of Beis you're going to forget to offer up your Kavan Pesach. So there's much more at stake. You know, Erev Shabbos, Erev Yamtiv, there's a din of preparation. Okay, so you got to shut down a Mincha Kitana. Erev Pesach, it's not just preparation. Erev Pesach, ultimately, again, it's Mamish about Chametz, Mamish about Erev Pesach, Allah, Karim Pesach, Gufa. Suppose listen to this incredible b'raisa. If a person does malacha on Erev Shabbos or Erev Yamtiv from Mincha, from Mincha Ketanan, or be Matzei Shabbos, be Matzei Yamtiv, Matzei Yamtiv, Kippurim. So I'll say, what does this mean? Or on Matzei Shabbos, Matzei Yamtiv, Matzei Kippurim. So then what does this mean? I'll say, if you live in a community where customarily they add on to the end of Shabbos, they're most if on Shabbos, most if on Yamtiv, Mosif on Yom Kippur, very few residents in that town. I tell say, Mosif on Yom Kippur, and you break with the Minagamakum, or or any situation about say where you're in violation of Minagamakum, and therefore there's some element of Avera, so again, if you live in a place where ultimately they don't work, after a certain point, Erev Shabbos, Erev Yamtiv, Matzei Shabbos, Matzei Yom Tiv, Matzei Yom Kippur, Tainasi Republic fast days, and you break with Minagamakum, and you go out and you do work, just know you're not going to see bracha from that work. Not going to see bracha, which I will say is, is, is profound on, on so many levels. First thing I will say, what the Gemara is teaching us is, in general, if your parnasal comes at the expense of your ruchnius, just know you're not going to see bracha from that. Again, I have to work and I have to work hard and I have to put in long hours because right? we all live with the club of Adam Rishon. You only, you only reap the benefits of, of, of Gashmias in this world if you're willing to work hard. There's no free lunches. Actually, that's not true in today's day and age. Right? There are free lunches apparently every day. Say, but but, but, but Lamaisa, but, but at the end of the day, if you want success in this world, you must be ready to work hard. But working hard is all about that work ruchnius balance. If your work comes at the expense of your ruchnius, you're not going to see bracha from that work. You're not going to. You just. You're just not going to see bracha. You're just not going to see bracha. And if and if your work comes at the expense of being part of the collective unit of community. You're not going to see bracha from that as well. Isn't this the greatest challenge in life? I have to work hard, but I have to create that correct work-life balance that allows me proper time for my ruchnius, that allows me the ability to be part of my community as well. Incredible. Turn around, Bonan. Bonan, this is a beautiful gemara. Turn around, Bonan. Yesh zarez v'niskar. This is great. Yesh zarez v'nifsad. I will say there are sometimes, now zarez means zrizos. Zrizos. Alacritus. Gavi, is that a word? Alacritus. Alacrity. Alacrity. Good, thank you. Good, alacrity. Sometimes a person can have zrizos, alacrity, viniskar, and they benefit. Sometimes, viish zariz vinifsad. Viish zariz vinifsad. And ultimately, sometimes a person can have zrizos, but still lose out. Viish shafal viniskar. Sometimes a person can be lazy, and they benefit. Viish shafal vinifsad. And sometimes a person can be lazy and lose out. What's the pshat? He's great, I'll say. Zaruz viniskar. But say, what's the case of a person who is zaruz, has alacrity, right? Zrizos. And you benefit. The avid kuli shapsa, the avid male shapsa. But say, is a person who works hard throughout the entire week, 
but doesn't work on Erev Shabbos. I will say, now remember, it doesn't have to mean he doesn't work at all on Erev Shabbos, but it just means he stops at Minchal Kitano. So that, that's a person, we'll say, Zoriz, we'll say, you see, by the way, I just want to point out, Chazal liked work. Chazal liked work. They are big fans of hard work. Right? The Svasema says, Sheishes Yomim Tasa Malachtecha. When do you get a Shabbos? If you work six days. You've got to work six days. Shabbos is those who work. This is hard work is a very important yesod in Yiddishkeit. So Zariz Viniskar, who's that? Person who works hard five days out of the week or six days, because Sunday, Sundays also work there, we'll say. Right? And sun, Sunday, Sunday through Friday, you stop at Mincha Kitana, right on Erev Shabbos, that's Zariz Viniskar. Good. Zariz. The Gemara says, Zariz Vinifsad. We'll say, who's the Zariz who ultimately will lose out? David Kuli Shabsa Va'al Shabsa. We'll say, that's a person who works the whole week, and Mamish works until candle lighting. That's a person who works very hard, but you're going to lose. You're going to lose. I want to point out something very important. It loved dafka that it means you're going to lose money, but you're going to lose something. Because remember, if you're working the entire Shabbos and you're running in a candle lighting, you're going to lose out on the chinuch of your children. Because what do your children see? What do your children see? What do your children see about your relationship with Shabbos? I know I spend on this too often. People tell me about this. I can't, I can't underestimate the power of your children, just like most of us, remember almost nothing of what our parents said, but you remember everything what our parents did. If your children see you, that you're not mechabed Erev Shabbos, and that Erev Shabbos, the goal is just get in right in the nick of time, you're, you're creating their impressions of Shabbos. Their impressions of Shabbos is just Erev Shabbos, is no, no, no din of preparation for Shabbos. As long as you're not mechabed Shabbos, that's what it means to be a Shomer Shabbos. Such flood chinuch. Such flood chinuch. Proper chinuch requires that a parent gets home with time to prepare themselves for Shabbos, to go into Shabbos benachas, to get to shul on time, to be able to daven a minchan erev Shabbos benachas, a kabbalah Shabbos benachas, not getting here late, not getting in there. No, I say, that's chinuch. That's chinuch. So you don't, don't worry about what, you don't have to talk to your kids about Shabbos. Model for them. What a proper, that's what it means when it says, Zoriz Vinifsad. It's wonderful. You're working hard, but you're going to lose. You're going to lose. Whether it's that you're going to lose out on the Parnasa, or you're going to lose out on the Chinuch, but you're going to lose something. Shuffle Viniskar. We'll say, who's the lazy person who benefits? He doesn't work a whole Shabbos, a whole week. But he doesn't work Erev Shabbos as well. Ah, so we'll say, so I don't work Sunday through Thursday either. But I'm, I'm dafka very makbid not to work on Friday, right? I'm lazy the whole week, but I'm dafka makbid not to do anything on Arab Shabbos. So the Gemara says, it might be lazy, but there is some schar. There is some schar. I will say, even though it's a shalolishma, right? There is some schar. Shafa benifsad. What's the case ultimately? Again, of the lazy person who loses out. The lo avid kulei shabbos. It doesn't work a whole week. The Gemara says, va avid b'male shabsa. Tipish. I will say, say, doesn't work a whole week. The only day he works is when erev shabbos, and even then, when does he work? Mamish until candle lighting. Mamish until candle lighting. So I will say, so that's that, <coughs> that's a shafa benifsad. I'm a rabba. Rava says, "Hani nashi de mechuza." These women of mechuza, afa gavdelo avdin avidet abamale shabsa mishum mefankusa who dahal kol yom enami lo ka avdan afilo hachi shafa veniska karina be. So I say, so Rava gives an example. The women of mechuza who were mefunakot, they were very delicate women, and therefore they don't work on erev Shabbos. Now, both say, now the truth is they don't just work, they don't just not work on erev Shabbos. They also happen not to work the rest of the week as well, right? They just don't work. 
Nervous Rabbah says they still receive schar for the fact that they don't work on Erev Shabbos. So we'll say that's the shuffle v'niskar. A person could be lazy and still benefit because l'maise, again, at least on that. So we'll say, see, see again, you get rewarded for something shalosh. I'll say one more line. Rava ramik siv ki gadol chasdecha uksiv ki gadol chasdecha. So we'll say the one pasik says, your chesed Hashem is incredible. Ki gadol ad shamayim. The chesed of Hashem goes up to the shamayim. And the second pasuk says, Ki gadol me'al shamayim chastecha. The chesed of Hashem is from above the heavens. Shabbos says, so where does the chesed of HaKadosh Baruch Hu come from? Below the heavens or above the heavens? Says the Gemara HaKetzad, Kan ba'osin l'shma, kan ba'osin shalol l'shma. Both say it depends. If you do mitzvot l'shma, you get rewarded from HaKadosh Baruch Hu from above the heavens. If you only do things shalol l'shma, your chesed or your, or your reward from HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes from Below the heavens. One more line. Very important. We are not purists. We are not purists. So we don't say only mitzvah that matters is a mitzvah of the Shema with the right intentions. Just like the only Torah you learn is the Torah you understand the Shema. No. We, we are strong fans of Shalom the Shema. Why? Because we believe Rabbi say in life. If you do the right things, even for the wrong reasons, that's a great start. Because those who go ahead and at least get themselves in the pattern of behavior of Shalom Lishma, ultimately again one day will come to Lishma. Alright, we'll stop over here. We'll pick up Ibn Hashem into two dots tomorrow. Alright, Chevron Zoom, everyone have a wonderful day. Ready for Minchel Kitana to go in. To go in.